0: What's up, y'all? I'm Dr. Craig Walid, your host here on the Prison to Promise podcast where I explore strategies formerly incarcerated people use to build a life of promise and avoid a return to prison. On this episode, I'm joined by Eddie Fordham, who in 1991 was sentenced to life in prison at 18 years of age for murder another teen admitted to committing. Eddie received an emergency release from prison in mid-2022 and emerged back into society 31 years later. During our discussion, Eddie said to me he chose to become better instead of bitter, finding purpose in serving others, despite the trials and tribulations of having a life sentence. His message to everyone, especially young people, is to choose your friends wisely. I urge you to tune into this inspirational, power-packed discussion that me and Eddie had. You definitely don't want to miss this one. Now let's go. Eddie, what's up?
1: Hey, Dr. Waleed, how you doing?
0: Good, man. Thanks for joining me, man.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And just, I guess, you know, out of respect for your time and um, my time, um, I'd like to just jump right in, man. Sure. uh, You know, perhaps just, this is my first time meeting you and anybody that'll be listening to this, it'll be their first time meeting you. So perhaps you can just jump right in and um, tell us who you are and where you're from and what's your connection with Carceral Matters.
1: Okay, so my name is Eddie Fordham. I am originally from Pensacola, Florida, where I lived until I was 18 years old and one month. I lived with my parents there. Uh, We lived in a a well-to-do neighborhood. I had a great education. I had parents who loved me. Uh, By all means, everything was on a trajectory of success for my life. Um, I didn't have to worry about anything. Unfortunately, I was was one of those kids who uh, thought that it would be better for me if I uh, chose different kinds of friends than the ones that my parents wanted for me. And that pretty much is where my trouble started as a a juvenile. I got in some trouble with the law. I had a few uh, skirmishes with the law when I was 15 years old, and that basically emboldened me in my behavior, and I continued to make poor choices and friends and poor decisions that my mom and dad had warned me against. I said I lived in Pensacola until I was 18 years and one month. That's because at that point in time during my senior year of high school, I uh, had a friend of mine who came up to me. He was a juvenile, and he asked me if I would collect a drug debt. And I agreed to that. And when I went to the store that night, unbeknownst to me, he was armed. He He had a firearm. He went inside the store with another juvenile. And while I waited outside in the car, they ended up killing or taking Mr. Coker's life. And from that is how I got involved with the uh, the adult criminal justice system and was sentenced to life in prison.
0: Wow. That is a whole lot right there. And so yes, how sir. old were you when you went in?
1: Uh, 18 and one month. And at the time, um, um, I was facing the death penalty. I was one of the youngest people in the nation at that time to uh, be be prosecuted and facing the death penalty for first degree murder. Actually, I was charged with uh, two types of first degree murder here in Florida. They have premeditated first degree murder and they have first degree felony murder. I went to trial and my jury uh, found me not guilty of premeditated murder at that point. I, I felt a great sense of relief because, first of all, my jury heard the facts of the case. They knew that I didn't go in the store. They knew I didn't hold a firearm. They knew I did not help plan the murder. What I did not know was that in Florida, it there is felony murder. And what that means is, is if you were just with someone who commits a murder during the commission of a felony, you get the same sentence as the actual trigger, man. And that is felony murder. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow, man. That's heavy. That's heavy. And how much time did you spend behind the wall?
1: Brother, I served 31 years, two months, and eight days. Mm. I was just released, emergency released, this past April by the grace of God and the Florida Commission on Offender Review.
0: Oh, wow, man. That is so great, man. I'm so happy for you to hear that. So you're like a brand new baby out here.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. I, I I own that. I resemble yeah. that remark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank and, you. And you know, I don't use the video when I when I uh, upload the podcast, but mm. what I see in your background is this statement: "Choose your friends wisely." Yes, sir. Yeah. That is uh, heavy. I think uh, and, uh, a singer, she said her granny, it was Erica Badu. She said her granny taught her to choose her friends like she choose her fruit. You know? Ooh. Yeah. Ain't that heavy?
1: Yes, sir. Because yeah. we don't want to eat no bad food.
0: No. And we don't want no fruit with bruises on them and soft spots. Mm. In it. Yeah.
1: That's, so I food. love that, man. Can yeah. I bite on that?
0: Hey, man, I just borrowed it from a singer, man, Erica Badu. She said, my granny taught me this when I was only a youth. Listen,
1: this uh, poster that you see behind me, there's a story behind that. Yeah. Uh, um, Attorney General Uh did this National Conference on Preventing Crime. Now, this is the same Office of Prosecution that prosecuted me over 30 years ago as a teenager, Mm -hmm. and they invited me. To go and speak to a group of 200 youth oh, wow. at this at this national crime prevention conference and my message was choose your friends wisely this poster that you see was outside the the workshop the conference room yeah and when it was done um i asked the lady from the attorney general's office if i could keep the poster
0: right on man right on that is powerful man and then you know that that also is a indication of how you've come full circle You know, absolutely. Did you ever think you were going to get out, man?
1: I did. You know, I was just with my uh, my church pastor uh, on Sunday and Mm -hmm. he brought me up on stage to share my testimony with our church. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about depression and, and how to find purpose in your life to to rise above. Your depression, or your sadness, your loneliness, bitterness—whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're feeling—and he wanted to use my story to bring that to life for our for our church family. Yeah. And uh, he asked me that exact question, and my answer to it was absolutely. I knew that one day I would be out, even though I had a life sentence. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, um, I didn't know when. Right. I didn't know when. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm but i found that you know whenever i hit those states of sadness loneliness or mm-hmm. bitterness or whatever i i i knew i had a choice i could either be bitter or better
0: yeah i like that
1: and i chose better mm so when but there it was hard it was hard yeah. not not to be bitter not to be depressed not to be angry upset yeah. at myself first of yeah. all yeah not upset at what my co-defendant did or or whatever mm-hmm. upset at myself because yeah. i made i made those decisions i accepted choose your friends wisely choose your friends wisely yeah Damn, but wow. yeah that day came that day finally came 31 years two months and eight days after having filed over one hundred appeals, motions, and petitions that were denied,
0: mm, mm, mm. and that's enough to definitely make you just say "eff it," I'm not trying anything else. I don't have any any means of getting out. I'm stuck. But it seems like you prepared yourself to get out.
1: Yes, sir. It, it's so easy in the system to to just give up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank God, I had family. And a support network that would not give up on me, and I had a God that never gave up on me. my my Lord walked with me through that death penalty trial. and I found that when I was on my knees, that's when he was lifting me up.
0: Wow, man. This is heavy, man. This is gonna be something that will definitely help somebody who's listening to this story right now, you know, and what 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 I think is is um, It's consistent through many people's stories that you just shared is support. You had family. Sometimes people don't have immediate family, but they have some sort of community that believes in them and that's carrying them and pushing them behind them. And so, and also your faith, those two things are so important, but not just faith in in your higher power, also that faith in yourself that I can do this. I know I can do this. That's right. Because I I know in in certain religious traditions, uh, particularly in Christian religious uh, condition, I mean, um, not condition, but um, tradition, um, the book mentions that you know it's important to have faith, but faith without works is dead, and so you cannot engage in work without having faith, but well, not just faith right. again in your higher power, but also faith in yourself.
1: That is correct. And so
0: that touches on one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which was support. But what are some of the other things that you did to prepare yourself to get out? Because you had this idea. I'm getting out.
1: Absolutely. Um, I will say that it actually started when I was in the county jail. My preparations started then, I mean, from the very beginning. Um, when I was sitting in an isolation suicide watch cell of the Escambia Mm -hmm. County Jail which they call Castle Grayskull because it just looks like that Mm -hmm. and that grayness of that place really reflects the the mood and the emotions that of the men and the people who work there on the inside Mm -hmm. so Castle Grayskull was a really difficult place to find some uh, positive attitude but I received I had wrote a letter at that time to the newspaper choose your friends wisely letter to my friends that were still free. And I wanted them to know what I was going through and so that they could learn, you know, from from my missteps. And when that letter went out, in response to it, I received a letter from one of our local judges, Judge William White Jr. And in his letter, he he, he said, Eddie, you know, your letter ha- has a very powerful impact that you sent out into our community. He says, first of all, I do want you to understand, young man, that you are going to have to suffer the consequences of your actions, but you can also take this and use this as an opportunity to find purpose in your life. If you accept accountability for it and begin wow. to share your testimony. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a quote and the quote was biblical. It was Romans eight twenty eight. It said, mm-hmm. for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, here I was. Barely 18 years old, facing a death penalty trial inside Council Grayskull on suicide watch, no telephone, no contact with family or friends. How do this in the midst of that pit? Hmm. Well, when you fall into a pit, no matter what it is, you're at the very bottom. Yes, sir. And that's where I was
0: up. And the only way is up.
1: You got it, brother. Right you got on. it. Absolutely. You cannot give up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that you're going through, if it's addiction, anger, incarceration, a bad divorce, it doesn't matter. When you are at the bottom, mm-hmm. you said it. You're, there's only one way to look, and that is up. And I made a decision in that moment that I was not going to be defeated by my circumstances. Now, your feelings, your emotions, whatever it is you're feeling in those moments, those are valid. Mm-hmm. Because we're human beings and that's how the mind, um, the mind will take you
0: mm-hmm. down
1: those dark paths. Mm-hmm. But those situations and circumstances are not permanent.
0: That's right, man. That is so true. You know, um listening to you right now makes me think of this audio book that I'm playing for my son. I drive my son. He's 10 years old. I drive him back and forth to school because he doesn't have a bus. And so right now I'm playing an audio book that um, I might mess up the title, but it's. Um, Called mental toughness for young athletes. Hmm. He's an athlete. He's like tall, 5'4, you know, he's 10 years old, he wants to play basketball, soccer. But one of the things that it's talking about is not giving up, envisioning your success, telling yourself every day you will be successful. And you know, my question for you in mentioning that is: how did you, how did you find the audacity in mm. such a dark place. Yes. To tell yourself that you're going to be yes. successful, that you're going to overcome this thing.
1: Yes. So I got a book. Bu- I have two books that have made a huge impact in my life. Number one is my Bible. Mm-hmm. The book, second to that, is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl.
0: Yeah. 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 Logotherapy.
1: You better believe it. Yeah. That's a this- dope book. Hey, man. Listen, when you can no longer change a situation, the only thing left to change is yourself. Victor right. Frankel. Victor Frankel oh, okay. said that. He also wrote in that book that um, everything, everything in life, can be taken away from you, except the one last freedom, the human freedom, the mm. freedom to choose your attitude, the freedom to choose your own way. Mm. And the thing about Frankel, and I found this oh, book now. This, man. this is the incredible thing, bro. Listen, they, they, they cannot write a script for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, that's as good as some of the stories that come out of our prison systems and the yes, and people who have lived in the back of the byways and the highways and have mm-hmm. gone gone through these things. And if they're listening to this show, they yeah. understand they're going to they're going to relate to this. I walked into um, a, a, a prison cell at Lake Butler, Florida, on what they called the honeycomb. Mm-hmm. And this. Was dangerous wings in the Florida prison system. And I was 18 years old. I was white and I was skinny and I still had all my teeth. You know, mm-hmm. I was like a prime ribeye steak mm-hmm. inside the Florida prison system. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I went in that cell, it was a rusty cell. The floor was wet with sewage from the toilet. Mm-hmm. The toilet was crusty. And I thought, oh my God, this is where I'm going to live. For I don't know how how many decades or whatever, I have got to find a way to rise above this. And sitting on the top bunk of that cell uh, was a tattered book cover ripped off and everything, pages all torn and dog eared. And it was that book, "Man's Search for Meaning" by victor Frankl. And this guy, the author of it, was in he was a he was a Jewish author, and he was in a Nazi uh, prison death camp. And before he went into that death camp, he was a psychiatrist in Vienna. And he was already working with uh, suicide patients, looking for ways to help people find hope in their life. So when he went to prison, he already went to prison with the mindset of a doctor, a psychiatrist, and he looked around him and he saw so much despair. But he also saw people who were surviving, right? And he got to thinking, okay, how are some people not surviving this and how are some people surviving? And he realized that his studies of, from Alfred Adler, the power principle or the will to power and Sigmund Freud, the will to pleasure, the things that that we were taught that motivate the human to 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 persevere or whatever. Those things didn't those things did not uh, work inside a prison because, number one, in a prison, you're not going to have pleasure. So that's not going to motivate you. And you're not going to have power because that's taken away from you. So he said, what is it? And he came up with this logotherapy, this third school of Viennese thought. And it's called will to meaning. That's right. that no matter how bad your circumstances are, if you can find meaning inside of the suffering, at that moment, the suffering ceases to exist.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, man, you are hitting it at the core, bro. I'm enjoying this conversation, man, so much. And I think that that's what people need to understand. There is meaning in everything that we do. We cannot allow whatever that happens to us or happens around us to suffocate us, to drown us, because inside there's still that, that what I call that pilot light, you know, that's still flickering, that, that spark of life, that spark of meaning, that spark of energy, that really is the essence of who we are. And we cannot allow that to be stumped out like a cigarette or a cigar butt in the fire just, you know, extinguished. And so there you were in prison looking for meaning, even in your darkest hour. And I'm sure, like myself, though I didn't do as much time as you, I did eight years, there were times when you're up, times when you're down, times when you're hopeful and times when you were just like, what the hell? You know, Mm nothing's going to come of this you know but one of the things i want to ask you is um if you can talk about how you began to develop a vision mm-hmm. for yourself either 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 while you were incarcerated or thinking about your post incarceration experience what were your visions
1: Absolutely. So great question. And, and this is going to be a key takeaway for, for anyone who's on the inside right now, who's listening to this show. I want them to really lean into this. Okay. Because here's how you find that purpose. Begin serving others. The moment you start serving humanity, that is going to open you up to your greatest potential. For me, that's when I found myself. I started going down to the education building. I started tutoring guys with uh, Literacy Volunteers of America. I became a certified assistant teacher through the Correctional Education School Authority. I got involved in the chaplaincy program. I became an, uh, an assistant chaplain's orderly. And throughout my entire time in prison, I served, 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 served. And it just healed my heart, my Mm -hmm. soul, my mind, and my spirit, Mm -hmm. and it gave me a wall of protection for the day when the walls came down and I was able to be free again. And through serving others, I was able to to meet other people uh, that I call my brothers and that I love them. Mm -hmm. And and some of them are out now. Mm -hmm. Some of them are still in, but guess what? I go down every month to Everglades Correctional Prison to meet with my lifer brothers. Wow. I, I just came back from Miami a week ago, meeting with all of our parolees and our alumni. We had a really big reunion, like a family reunion. We yeah. we, we have this this alumni system mm-hmm. now of lifers who came out of uh, the Dr. Regina B. Sharon corrections transition program. Mm-hmm. And these guys, a lot of society doesn't know this. These are guys that did 25, 35, some even did 50 years in prison And of the 500 men that were paroled from that program, we have a recidivism rate that is less than 1%. Yeah,
0: man. I mean, research shows us that people who do a gang of time typically don't go back. You know, typically don't go back, be they 25 lifers, lifers, or just done a gang of time. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that you just mentioned, too, is, you know, having this this um, I forgot the word you used, but you know when we have a a cohort, so to speak, or um, a fraternity, the, alum-
1: the alumni,
0: the alumni. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about yeah, you know we are part of a a unique fraternity, and that are, that is those of us who've been in prison, you know, yes. and those of us who are coming out of prison trying to do the right things for ourselves and for our communities. But I really am touched by your point of mentioning serving others mm-hmm. because folks who are inside are probably thinking, how the heck can I serve somebody else? I'm in here suffering just like the next man, but I think you just pointed out, you know, some good ways of serving other people. And that's yep. pretty parallel with my own experience. You know, I spent time tutoring other people officially in the school mm-hmm. building as well as unofficially on the cell block on the yard, you know, and I didn't even realize it. I was acting as a counselor to people, Mm -hmm. you know, just listening to people, talking with people. didn't even realize what I was doing.
1: Just making yourself available.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that became part of my, my, my early career when I got out in the late 90s, you know, to continue to help people. And that's what I continue to do. So that part of what you're talking about is so relevant because I think it really allows you that sense of freedom. You know, mm-hmm. even when you're locked inside the, the, the cage, locked behind the wall, you can still transcend that environment because your spirit, your soul, your mindset is not mired down in, 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 in the, I guess, the stink of the penitentiary, so to speak.
1: That's mm-hmm. the place that uh, nothing in life, no circumstance or anything, can penetrate that place unless you let it.
0: That's right. You have You to-
1: have to give, like... You know, people say, oh, he got under my skin or this situation is getting to me. No, 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 no. If you let it in, if you let it in, but God created the inner soul to have protection around it. Mm-hmm. And that is his, that's his spirit. You know, our mind, you know, a lot of stuff goes to our mind every day. But mm-hmm. if you've got that, that faith in your spirit, that's your filter. Mm hmm. You know, that's what helps keep the negative thoughts out. Yeah, the negative thoughts are going to come through. Uh, the sadness, it's going to come through. But what we have to, I think it was uh, uh, Toll, um, he said that when those thoughts come through the mind, you must speak to them and you must say, you are not real. You are just a, 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 a fake thing, a, a cartoon. You are not my reality. And then you remember that where your real happiness comes from are the things that are permanent.
0: And when you say toll, are you talking about the author Eckhart Toll?
1: That's him. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Eckhart Toll who wrote um, emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. social intelligence. Yes. And these are powerful sciences too, emotional intelligence and social intelligence. And I really believe that these are the things that make us most successful having emotional intelligence and social intelligence. You know, much more than any degrees we can have, much more than any money we can have. It's being able to develop relationships, sustain relationships with others and with ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you had, I want to speak to something that you said, um, you said that you did eight years yourself Mm -hmm. and you said, well, that's not as much as you've, you've done, uh, Eddie, but let me, let me say this, um. Yeah, man, I did a heck of a lot of time. But anyone who has been behind that wall, I don't care if they were just in jail for a month or a year and a day or eight years. We who have been there know what it is like to have, thing, to have everything just stripped of us, to have things taken away, and to live in that moment of shame. And yep. we have we come to that crossroads where we have to decide, are we going to let that define our future mm-hmm. or are we going to go ahead and own our past and reclaim our future? Right on, bro. And you did that. Mm-hmm. I did that. The mm-hmm. people you've had on your show, they've all done that. And mm-hmm. you know what? We have a strength. Those of us that have served time, we have a deep, deep strength. Mm-hmm. We are we are strong. Absolutely. We're not broken. We are stronger mm-hmm. in the broken places, as my friend Jeff Reuter would say. And I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to Jeff. He's got a uh, YouTube channel called no, Broken big, and, and uh, Stronger in the Broken Places. Nice. I like you know, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It absolutely. I absolutely do so.
0: Yeah. You know, if I could go back, you know, um, earlier, you know, you talked about your up upbringing and how your parents um planted good seeds pretty much it sounds like and they wanted the best for you on um, but you made some bad decisions and you found yourself um in the shit pretty much mm-hmm. you know but i think about how um feces oftentimes serves as the best um fertilizer for our seeds to grow in oh yeah and so the prison environment was the shit it was the feces you had found yourself in there and it was probably during that time that those seeds that your parents planted in you began to germinate. Yeah. And then that, I think, helped you take advantage of all the things that were already inside of you and the things that were around you. But unfortunately, some people don't have these seeds pressed inside of them. Mm. And I think about my own experience, I had very similar upbringings, except mine it was a single parent home, but I had a solid community around me. And it wasn't until I was in prison that all these messages start coming to light, you know, and I started finding my way. Um, and what was I going with this? I can't really remember.
1: Well, you're talking about how the prison environment is is like a, like a bunch of crap, you know, and your your seed is, is going to be like fertilizer that's but you know what something else about the seed Mm -hmm. the seed has to die yeah before it can sprout yeah and so talking about us being that seed or the seeds that were put in us we have to die to self
0: yeah man yeah man i think paul talks about that you know he says i die daily Mm -hmm. i think that that's what it's talking about you know that spiritual death that emotional egotistical death i have to slay that every day so that my better Part that God-like essence that's inside of me can shine forth, because if that does not die out, then the mm. God that's in me cannot
1: manifest itself. Come on, brother. You know Come on, saying? brother. Yeah, Come man. on, man. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I'm really enjoying this conversation as well.
1: Hey, that's going to preach right there. <laughs> that I will know. preach.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking about like when I was in prison, that's when I got the most um, mentoring that I ever had in my life. You know, I've always had good men around me, good women around me, but I wasn't paying attention. Mm. But once I got in prison and I realized, you know, the fire is hot. This is serious business. Um, I started listening and I started learning. Yeah. And I think that um, by doing this podcast, my hope is that I can reach folks, we can reach folks before they get into these situations where they're doing 20 years of life, where they're doing... Um, you know, however much time or they're facing situations that they'd rather not face. And so hopefully they'll listen up, you
1: know. Absolutely. When I was uh so when I went in at eighteen, uh the first camp that I went to was ACI East Unit, which they called gladiator school mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the it was one of the roughest joints. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and but I'm glad in, in a crazy kind of way that that's where I went first, because mm-hmm. that's where I learned, look, you know, in, in the prison environment, you have to be yourself. That's if right. you try to be like somebody else, the, 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 the environment is going to test you to see Absolutely. if you're really that other person. Mm-hmm. But if you are yourself, you, of course, you're going to be tested e- either Absolutely. way. Um, But I'm glad I I learned that lesson there first, because then when I as I as I moved on and Mm -hmm. I got to some of these softer camps, Mm -hmm. I already had that 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 respect for, you know, other men who had done time, the place Mm -hmm. that I was at. And I I just was able to do my time better that way, starting out in a rough spot. But what helped me transition in that rough spot was uh, an OG named Maceo. Right. When I say OG, I'm I'm talking about an OG down with the lord okay Mm -hmm. and he came to me one day and he said listen jit he said jitterbug Mm -hmm. (laughs) he said now they call me pop you know i'm almost 50 but uh but he said look jitterbug with that amount of time that you've got you need to find a way to survive in prison and you got two choices the kitchen and get you a hustle Right. You know, like sell tomatoes and bell peppers and stuff, yeah. you know, out of, the, out yeah. of the, and always have some food in your locker. Or you can go down to the law library and you can start studying the law. And he actually worked in the law library. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? Bring me to the law library. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he brought me down to the law library and uh, he started showing me the law books. Mm-hmm. They were very intimidating. I I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a a Florida Southern reporter and a, and a Supreme Court reporter and a, and a, and a, and a a book on the rules of court, you know, but he taught me how to hand those books out to people. And I learned familiarity. Mm -hmm. with those books. Once I got to the point where I knew where all the books were at and and what kind of cases, which was state cases and federal cases, then he sat me down and he says, I want you to start typing my motions for me. Now he was real good with habeas corpus. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So I started typing. He'd had handwrite motions, but he couldn't type a lick, you know, Mm -hmm. but I did the typing for him. But through typing, I learned how to argue the law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned about Strickland versus Washington and and um, and Ferretta versus California, you know, to 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 be the champion of, of your the master of your own defense. You know, yes, OG
0: was training you, man. Oh,
1: man. Was he? Yeah, he was. But he was doing it in stages because That's he knew high. he was dealing with a young person who you just couldn't tell a, a young person, you know, uh, wisdom and stuff. You kind of have to just bring them through it slowly. Sound you know, like he was a great teacher. And he it was.
0: Sounds so reminiscent of my own experiences, mm-hmm. except I was in the general library mm-hmm. looking at books on psychology and mm-hmm. history and trying to understand myself and my place in the world. And at first, these books were like just intimidating, but I kept pecking at them. And one of the librarians, he... Saw me, I used to read like Iceberg Slim and all these types of books. Yeah, he got on me. He said, Boy, you need to get on something else. Yeah, man. Start reading about yourself, about your history, about your people, about psychology, sociology.
1: Right. And
0: he started just feeding me little books. And I started getting a fever, you know. And I was like, Give me another one. Give me another one. You know, until I started getting books from other prisons and other community libraries until I almost burnt them out.
1: But Hey man, listen, Iceberg Slim, man, he had that hustle and flow, yeah. but he didn't, but he didn't have that grow and go.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And we needed that growing, that go and grow or else yeah. we would have still been in the penitentiary doing That's right that keeps us in the penitentiary. But yo, we're coming up on the end of our time together, but real quick, man, if you can talk about what you're doing nowadays and how people can reach you, man.
1: Okay. So right now, uh, Um, I'm working at a a highly functional food bank called Feeding Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. And we are helping to bring uh, food to people who need it in the Tampa Bay area. Our goal is is that no one in Tampa Bay area goes hungry by 2025. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my job. That's what I do. Um, I also travel to Tallahassee for parole hearings for my brothers that are still on the inside who need a voice because the way that parole works is if you don't have someone to speak for you. OK, you can get passed over. And for my brothers that are in their 50s and 60s, you know, to get passed over means not having a parole hearing for like another five years. And that yeah. can mean a, a death sentence to someone on the inside. Yeah. So it's important for them to have that voice up there. So I'm I'm traveling. Matter of fact, I'm traveling to Tallahassee tomorrow uh, to speak on behalf of some of my brothers.
0: Right on, um, man. That's dope.
1: Things uh, already. Yeah, I've been to five hearings already, and four of them have been granted the grace of parole who had life sentences. In addition, I go back to the prison, and I speak with the men to bring them uh, words of encouragement and motivation. And I also, as you know, like with this poster, I have my Choose Your Friends wisely uh, out. I've been to the Boys and Girls Club and have also given my message there, Choose Your Friends Wisely. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to stay involved and I wear this thing. I don't know if you can see on my, that's on it. this bracelet it says free to serve. Okay. And so you're serving people, man. That's it, brother. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, 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 that is dope, man. And so how can people reach you, man, if they want to reach you?
1: Okay. So my, my IG, my Instagram is Fordham, or they can just find me on Facebook, eddie Fordham. I'm on there. Um, I'm also, um, I'm working on getting a website up and running for a book.
0: Say that again. You're getting the website up for.
1: I'm in the process of getting a website up right now for a book that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's anybody out there that's good with web design or whatever, and they want to help me out, I, 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 I'm, I'm putting it out there. I, I could mm-hmm. really use some, I could really use some help to, uh, help me get the content onto the. The way. name of the name of my book is Kid Viction. Uh, it's a teenager's journey from prison to purpose.
0: Nice, nice. That sounds very similar to uh, the podcast here, Prison to Promise. Yes, uh, I've also written a book called Prison to Promise, a awesome. promise of healing and transformation. You know, yeah. So Man, yeah. your
1: first your first show was about.
0: Say that again. We lost you. Your, your
1: first your first show your 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 first podcast from Prison to Promise. Was yeah. your story.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I want people to know and understand I'm not just out here fishing for stories. I'm I'm part of this whole community of those of us who are trying to get over this hump or who have gotten over this carceral hump, you know. And so I yeah, guess yeah. the title of your story would be Kid Viction.
1: Kid Viction, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was the, the, the subtitle again?
1: A Teenager's Journey from mm-hmm. Prison to Purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll probably use that as the title of this podcast.
1: Love it. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs>
0: right. I'm going to do that, brother.
1: Yeah. Do that.
0: And um, in closing, if there was a young person coming up behind you or an OG like you and I are now getting out, what would be some wisdom you'd share with them?
1: First thing I would just share with them is: look, you know, every choice that you make has a consequence. You make good choices, you have good consequences. You make bad choices, you're going to have bad consequences. Look at me, look at uh, Dr. Craig Waleed. We did time in prison. Why? Because we made some. suffered those consequences. But just remember, young man or young young lady, you're going to make some bad decisions in life. Okay, it happens. But the important thing is, is that you find a way to rise from it. Listen, if God will lead you to something.
0: Right on, man. I appreciate that, man. And with that, man, we're going to call it a wrap. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Prison to Promise podcast. If you or someone you know would like to share their story on this podcast, please shoot me an email at drcraigwalid@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's all lowercase letters, d r c r a i g w a l e e d at gmail.com Thanks, and I look forward to hearing from you.